Good evening, Patriots. And it's still Monday, January 25th in the year of our Lord, 2022. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise guidance, you will wage war. In the abundance of counselors, there is victory. We're going to enjoy this one tonight. Before we begin, MyPillow.com. Go to, that, go to MyPillow.com, scroll down to the radio listeners box, check out the amazing sales that are going on right now. Use your BARDS promo code, B-A-R-D-S, B-A-R-D-S. It's all sorts of incredible savings right now. 50% off on the comforters. We have the six-piece towel set, $26.99. 50% off on my slippers. 50% off on all sorts of towels. You have buy one, get one free Giza sheets. Just incredible savings. And all these products, I use them. They're fantastic, super quality products. And, of course, we're buying from a company where every part of your purchase in one way or another goes to the fight for liberty. Mike Lindell, CEO, is one of America's great patriots, and he carries Christ in his heart. And, of course, they're continuing to wage war on him and try to cancel him and his company, and we know that that will not happen. For one, we stand with him and we'll continue to support him every way we can. But this is also a great lesson in how we vote with our dollars, truly. And that's how we continue to wage a very effective war and keeping ourselves away from these corporate monsters that are trying to control all our lives and everything else. So again, MyPillow.com. Head on over to MyPillow.com and then go to the radio listeners box down on the front page. Use your BARDS promo code, B-A-R-D-S. You can use that anywhere on the Frank Speech site and on the My Store site. Hundreds of products, all great products, great opportunity to support America, support liberty, and get some things you need for the house. Also, thefoundersbible.com, thefoundersbible.com. That is a is the Bible for our time. It's an NASB 1995 edition with the, our founders' documents worked in. It's an amazing lesson in God's Word and in realizing just how much our founding fathers used Scripture as a living language. You can get 20% off on these Bibles. These are heirloom Bibles, and you can get 20% off on these Bibles using your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, in the coupon section when you check out. It's worth all of it. It's a, I have one at home. I'm going to be getting another one, and I send out dozens of them for Christmas. So they're just they're an amazing gift. They're an amazing thing to have. If you're a homeschooling parent, they are literally an entire lesson set in one. It's amazing. Finally, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com is the Bards Nation coffee. It's a coffee designed for our time. Gives you that boost of energy and sustained energy over the whole day. Elevates your serotonin and also enhances your whole ecosystem of health. So we have with that another series of products on that page, Expedition Coffee, all about building your immune system, all intended to work together in a collective of products that will strengthen your body health and return your health sovereignty to you. Those include the gut health triad, which will help heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is where so much of the infections we deal with originate from. And that's generated by a lot of what we call the American diet, the American standard diet, not a good diet. Hopefully everybody's eating healthy, but this helps clean that up and and seal your gut. Then we have immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract and other amazing natural ingredients that will has high levels of vitamin C. And then we have Pure 47, which is the most refined silver extract currently on the market. They can literally isolate pathogens in your body, including HIV and other 
crazy things that like the SARS-CoV series that are being used as bioweapons against us. And we have earth, which is a full body nutrient powder. One scoop a day gives your body all the nutrients it needs. It's fantastic as a product. All of these work together to create just a fortress of strength around your immune system, strengthen you, give your, your health sovereignty back, and keep you away from the biomedical tyranny and encampments that they're creating they call hospitals, keeping your health strong. So again, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Proverbs 24, 6, for by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. I think there's a couple of key things here to appreciate, that we are living in a hostile land. I think we always have. We just haven't opened our eyes to it. We're literally like soldiers dropped behind enemy lines, and we're God's soldiers, and we're sitting here working through our lives, and we've kind of gone through this sleep, the great sleep we've been in, and suddenly we've been waking up and we're realizing like, man, this place is bad. It's always been bad. It's always been bad. They're just so bold and so arrogant right now. They think they've got us on the run. And this is when we just anchor in. And like any great fighter, when you start to see them, we start to see them come at you. You just, you don't waver and you just like press in and go after them. And they never expect that. The offensive is what always wins the fight anyway. Defensive, you're just a victim. You're just a victim. So we have, really have to need, we really have to keep in mind that we are in a war and have been in a war. But there's a key next sentence. In abundance of counselors, there is victory. I think that's what we miss. I talked a little bit about this on Sunday night. And it's the point that we need counsels around us fellowships of men, fellowships of women, not to be gender specific or biased or or closed out, but we need to have the counsels of others as we move through this, which helps us keep on track because look, Satan's vicious. He's trying to always derail us. And when you have a couple of people in your life that you can trust, can talk scripture, you can talk about decisions, you're just amplifying that direction within God's path. It's great. And I think that's right in there. Is it We need good counsel and counselors. And through God, we get our great counsel. But those counselors also help give us strength in those fights. It's like the shield wall. You can't be a single shield in a shield wall. you got to have a shield on your right and your left. And everybody has to be strong and working together. And as you do that, you build that fortress, that indomitable front end. And people run into it, they're they're not going to get anywhere. And that's how we have to continue to build what we're doing. Some people are calling it tribes. That's good. Some people are calling it your prepper community. I, you know, I think when we start to look at this in terms of faith and our relationship with Christ, you look at it any way you're comfortable with. There's no word games here. It's the intent that matters. And as long as we're trying to seek good counselors around us that are all walking with Christ, we may not always agree, but that's not the point. You're not supposed to have people around you that are yes men. We need to have people that are intensely in the pursuit of that intimate relationship with Christ. Intimate. And as we are all pursuing that as our first love and our first commitment in everything we do, we keep that in mind as we wage war, amazing things begin to happen. God moves with and moves powerfully. And I think that's an amazing point because 
when we read Jeremiah 8.8, 8, and I'm going to take this a little bit out of context of Jeremiah 8.8, 8, but I'm trying to make a point here. What we are dealing with is something like this. How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us, but behold, the lying pen of the scribes have made it into a lie? Everybody we are dealing with right now in our government is trying to proclaim that somehow they are wise, and some even go so far as to suggest that the Lord is with them, not our God. I'll tell you that right now, because our God doesn't twist things and lie. It's just, it's not what it is. This is where we are. Right now, we have the pen of the lying pen of scribes. We could call that the media. You can call that political spin. You can call that every bit of half of the things that our politicians say. You can, you can refer to that as what the lawyers are doing. But the, the, the lying pen of scribes is making most everything a lie, though they're trying to tell you they are wise and that the law of the Lord is with them. No, it's not. No, it's not. God is with us when we're walking truly in that place of truth. And when we walk in that place of truth, that's the only walk. All this other stuff is noise, and they want you to believe it. They want you to be twisted by it, turned into it, get agitated by it, get your anxiety up, your anger up, your hatred up, like right now. Well, we're going to have war with Russia. No, we aren't. They may have war with Russia, but we have to say no. These are wars made by the evil of this world. These are wars manufactured by a military-industrial complex that's all eager to try out its new toys, but you know, so much for your kids. They're just cannon fodder as long as our new toy works. We have to have our focus right now as we work with the Lord to appreciate, and I, I truly believe what I'm telling you, and I, everything that I pray on seems to be on point with this. I don't get any I don't get pushbacks in my life on this approach so I'm sharing it truthfully. We have to be focused that this is a war. We are in an army, God's army. It's the Lord's fight. We have to get intense like David. So when we are there and we are focused on that, we are going to wage this war and we are going to succeed. We've got to keep our head there. This is truly a fight of epic proportions. It is biblical. And I think that's something we have to come to grips with because Christ was a great warrior. He wasn't, I, I just can't believe the continued perception of Christ in many places. And I'm not going to generalize and say everywhere, but I don't think we admire or respect the warrior that he was. And I don't think a lot of people would like Christ the way they think they would. Christ was a radical. He was a revolutionary. And he didn't, he didn't stand for the worship of him. We look at scripture, I think, the wrong way sometimes. Like he's, everybody's surrounded around him, but he didn't allow for that. He kept moving. He kept preaching. He kept talking to people. When, the, when he has the, the, the guy possessed with demons and wrapped in chains, and he finishes that scene, and, he, and the whole story there is, he, just, he spells out, he casts out the demons that go into the pigs and the pigs run off and drown themselves in the ocean. And you remember that after that, the guy's begging him. He's begging him. I wanted to go with you. And Christ says, no, you need to go back to your village and now you begin to teach what I gave you. That's profound. He didn't have a Bible. He had given him all he needs. Think about that. That's an intimate relationship right there. So 
we have to continue to pursue that intensity that Christ had. It's a focus on truth. It's a focus on the pursuit of an intimate relationship with Father. And we see that intensity come out in Mark eleven fifteen to 18. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, It is not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a robber's den. The chief of priests and scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him, for they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. So we focus a lot on this as the impact of the boldness of that statement in the temple. Let's get into the individual. So one thing that was really interesting in being so long in Afghanistan, that's an ancient culture, many of the ways. The first time I arrived in Afghanistan, in fact, we left Bagram Airfield, and we were in a bus driving to Kabul, and we were looking at these nomads, which are called Kuchis. And I, I was sitting with a colonel, and we, were, our, we both commented the same thing. It's like, wow, we are looking like something right out of biblical times. Afghanistan's an ancient culture, and it lives many things in ancient ways. And you learn a lot about the way things used to be. This is very relevant in this passage because we don't think in terms of this. People that live in these villages stay there. It's a family lineage. They don't move on. They don't move out of state. They don't relocate because of a job. It's one family after another. And they live in the same area, sometimes the same households. They live close together. That's what made up villages. It's not uncommon even today to find families that have lived in some place for five or ten generations and sometimes in the same house. In Afghanistan, they refer to it as a kalat. This is typical in that period. So I want you to think about what the impact of this is. Christ comes into the temple and he flips tables and he drives them out. Those people that have flipped tables have now been stained. Their whole family line, their lineage has been marked by an incident that ultimately becomes the incident of God's son flipping their table. In a village, they are stained forever. That will stay with their family bloodline forever. There's no way to expel that. This is truth. And so you realize the magnitude of what Christ did. He waged war in that moment. And the impact was profound. So, when you look at this, and I'll, I'll give you an, a real example of this. One of the projects I worked on in Afghanistan was to understand why, when we came in to do what were called night raids, why did the village get so upset when we took out guys that were bad? There were known Taliban living in the village. And they would come in at night. They'd, either, they'd usually fast rope in off a helicopter or they would come in on ATVs or something. They'd blow in a door, they'd go in and they'd take the guy, they'd arrest him, take him out in a helicopter and away they'd go. 
And the idea was to do it at night, so obviously it was a surprise, but also to keep it out of the purview of the village. But what typically would happen is the village would explode with anger. And this was perplexing to people. I've told some of this story before, but it's important to realize the impact of this. So it took about two months of pretty deep investigation. I was working in the Pashtun areas, lots of interviews, lots of working of trying to understand what the problem is. It takes a lot of trust to get into these places because we're trying to get inside their lives in, the, in their own homes, what's actually going on. And just like old times, there's no property rights like we think of. These are legacies. The houses are passed on to family to family. So there's, there's a lineage that goes with the family. There's a reputation that goes with the, with the household. And so in an interview one day, I was talking to an elder, and I don't even remember how it came about, but I just asked the elder, I said, how do you and your wife sleep at night? And he says, uh, we sleep naked. And I just paused for a minute. I said, wait a minute. Are you telling me that when we come into the kalat, into the house, we're seeing you and your wife naked? He says, oh, yeah. Didn't you? That's why we're so pissed off. You can't ever see our wives naked. It's the greatest humiliation that could ever happen to us. Such a critical little piece. And what they, the village was reacting to is now that household was stained. The entire bloodline was stained because they had not kept up their part of the deal and they had allowed their deal, their requirement. They had not protected their wife and prevented her from being seen naked by a stranger. It's the, one of the greatest violations in Pashtun culture. Should be a great violation in everybody's culture, but it happens to be a deep violation in Pashtun culture. Truth it is that we had created many of, the own, many of the problems we were fighting by doing stupid acts. But the point in contextually, when we go into Scripture and you start to understand how old, old cultures worked, ancient cultures, these bloodlines stayed in many of the same places. We're not dealing with nomads. So when something like this happens, is a flipping of a table. Christ being who Christ was. This leaves a stain on a family. They can't escape it. I worked with an elder that it got so bad that there was an, they had had, he had a grandson who was accused, take it back. He was questioned, keyword, he was questioned by special forces for having set an IED outside of the special forces base camp. The thing is that the special forces guys kept him till after it got dark after dusk, and then they released him in the questioning. But here's what happens in Pashtun culture. When a young man who does not yet have a beard, these are considered signs of maturity, walks at night alone and arrives home at, alone without the escort of an elder, it is presumed that he has been sexually raped. That's how bad, by the way, predatorial male activity is in the Pashtun culture. I'm not exaggerating on any of this. Special Forces guys didn't know this. They had released him, and they went on the way. The kid disappears, and the village blames the Special Forces team. Special Forces team stops the entire operation for two weeks. They look everywhere for him. They go down into what they call these carezes, which are deep hand-dug wells. They rappelled down in there. They crawled everywhere looking for the kid. 
I got a call. They said, we need your help. And I had an idea what had happened. So I went down and I did a little investigation. I did some talking to them, asked them, got all the details. Like I was saying, when did he release? Okay, he got released after dusk. Was there anybody there to pick him up? No. So I sat down with the elders. The elder's name was Baba John. I said, Baba John, how are you? I'm fine. I said, let's cut to the chase. Where is your grandson? And he looked at me. He says, well, he's missing. I said, you know where he is. I said, what has happened to your grandson? Because you're blaming special forces. And I said, let me see if I understand this right. Your grandson got released without an escort out of the special forces base. He's now assumed to have been raped by another man. That's a humiliation on you as an elder. The only way you can save face is to blame special forces and to relocate your grandson. Am I correct? And he looked at me and he says, we can consider this problem solved. Thank you. We're friends again. I said, yes, we are. You see how this works? We don't live in these old cultural norms. So you have to appreciate when we're reading this stuff, things like this in scripture, what the impact is for us, a point like this. And Christ is not unaware of this. This is a profound hit on somebody's life. This man who he's flipped tables, we don't know the story, but we can, we can easily assume that he's hardly ever to feed his family again in that village. He's stained. They're going to be faced with a choice of having to go somewhere else. And to do that, that's tremendous. That means leaving the lineage. That means leaving the bloodline of the, where he's living. That means going to some place where they don't know him starting over. That's how impactive that flipping of tables is. So when we talk about Christ being a warrior, that's a profound statement right there or example right there. He is a warrior and he made a very important choice and he did it strategically to make a statement which hit the entire village. Nobody missed it. So when you go on to say that the crowd, that the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching, yes, they were. They were amazed that he would have done such a thing and they got the message and they also, the scribes, and the priests got the message because they had to begin seeking how to destroy him because they understood what, how much power he carried and that he understood what he was doing. This is a sort of moments we have to look at with Christ as a powerful warrior that's willing to make that message and that statement and move forward. Patriots, we're in a, really, we're in a war right now. And there's no joke about the war. And when we realize that we have been quite literally living in a war zone our whole lives, and now our scales are falling, finally falling from our eyes, the one thing that's amazing is when we look over this period of time, as far back as we can scripturally, the war has been there the whole time. And in spite of the enemy constantly trying to defeat God's children, guess what? We constantly rise up. That's the peace. We always win. And even though there's trials and there's suffering and there's enduring, God's children always win because we maintain that faith and that deep, intimate relationship with him. That's a profound thing. So our intimacy with that relationship has to be pursued at all times. We have to constantly seek that at a, 
at a level that we may not even know. And I, 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 I've talked to enough people who are like, oh, no, I got this. I, I, I pray all the time. That is not what I'm talking about. That intimacy is an intimacy of relationship where we are communicating, talking. God's talking to you. It's there. And that's a boldness to want to reach in and really understand what it is to have an intimate relationship with Father, to let him live and breathe through us and experience us and we experience him. That takes some risk. That means we've got to open our hearts up. He reads our hearts. I hear this all the time as well. Well, God reads my heart. Good. But he needs to know that you're willing to read it as well. He needs to know that you're willing to crack that open and dig in and say, look, here it is. This is what I've got inside of me. And when we get to that place where we get stuck and we run into a wall, you have to be humble enough to get down and say, Lord, let me tell you something. I know what's here, and this is what it is. And I don't know how to get through this, but I'm going to rip this thing open, and I need you to be with us. And I need Jesus, I need you to be here to walk me through how to heal this thing. And sometimes when we're put before us to do, it's like, well, that sucks. And that part is, there's a part two of obedience, but there's a part two of realness. I'm just going to tell you how I am in my relationship with God. When God's put something before me, and if it really sucks, I'll say, God, that sucks. I I need to understand that a little bit. You, you know, over the weekend, I talked about Adam and Eve in the garden. It's an interesting thing when Father talked to me about the tree of knowledge. Adam never asked why he shouldn't eat from it. It's it's interesting. He just He was just obedient. And one could make an interesting argument by the lack of understanding the why, he just didn't convey to Eve the importance of why it was not to grab the duck on apple. So it's, it's something that, I mean, that's, this is how I read things, take it or leave it. But when I have my conversations with God, I don't hesitate to ask why. And if I get rebuked and it's like you're not to ask why, move on. I'm like, got it, check, moving on. But that's part for me of creating the intimacy with Father. We have to get in there and nug it out. I had a pretty good fit last week, and I shared that with you. And, and the point is that when, I'm ha- when you have these moments and you have a conversation with, with God, I'll be open. And you'll be like, you need to, this is where I need you to go. And I'll be like, okay, got it. But let's guess what? I'm going to give you some rant right now. You know, this whole thing about forgiveness, this is a big one right now. It's hard on all of us. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Got it. But hey, Father, I'm like, and I've been this way. Like, Father, I, I'm going to forgive, but I just want you to know there's a bunch of stupid people out here that are causing us a lot of angst and problem. And you hear, yes, my son, you need to have grace. And it's like, I got it, but please hear my heart because I'm good. I'm going to obey everything you say, but you need to hear my heart. And please hear it. These people are stupid. They've defiled everything that we're supposed to be. They've walked away from you. They've put on a face diaper. They've taken an injection. They've turned their back on their love of Christ and their trust in you. And don't think that doesn't hit my heart hard. And usually some comment like, and, you know, God, they used their brain for a butt pillow. (laughs) That's usually when kind of changed the nature of the conversation a little bit. These sort of intimate relationships that we have, if we're going to have them, we can't just have them by just, I pray to Christ, that's it. We have to have a conversation. You have to express what's in your heart. And I truly believe God wants you to hear, wants to hear that. You know, 
we are all completely humbled in before him. And we have an intimate and absolute love for Christ. We should. If you don't, you might want to get caught up on that one. But the whole point of this is the honesty that we speak to God with is an honesty that he's going to hear us with. And it's there that I truly believe God knows better how to work with us. We're not cookie cutter. We know that. We're all part of the body of Christ, but we are all unique in his creation. That's the mastery of what he's done, is that we're all made in his image, but it's all this point that we're all unique in this world, and yet we're all perfect. Think about that. This army that he's stood up is an amazing army. When you think about the diversity of the gifts and talents, the interests, the focus, where people are in their relationship with Christ, I mean, if I was waging a war against this army, I'd be like, I give up, man. I'm going to go take a vacation in the Bahamas if we stood up as we should. So in this place where we build these deep, deep, intimate relationships with Father, we need to have conversations. We're not always going to appreciate the need or the understanding of things, and sometimes we're never going to get that answer. But as we ask for that, it shall be given. As Ezekiel twelve twenty eight. Therefore say to them, this is what the Lord God says, none of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever word I speak will be performed, declares the Lord God. So we have to listen. But in order to listen, we have to be able to open our heart. In order to open our heart, we have to be honest. And if we're going to be honest with God, there has to be an intimacy. And to get to an intimacy, we have to be honest. It's, it's, it's like a circle, and it's a good one to be in. So if we're trying to deal with these things, and I would say everybody does it at some level. We're trying to deal with problems on our own. We're trying to carry burdens on our own. We're trying to tell ourselves, well, we've got this. I pray. Praying is just part of the process, getting deep in those conversations, ripping open your heart, getting in and saying, look what I found. God may say, I know. And he just may say, you know what? I know it's there. And we're like, okay, well now what? I've been waiting for you to talk to me about it because I've seen it, but I can't, I can't fix what you won't identify. And that's truly a relationship where we have with father that then we begin to understand what it's like to be his son or daughter. It's just like being a parent. We know very well that we can't help our child unless they come to us with truth. And too often we somehow separate that sort of relationship, which we most all know very intimately, that in order to help our children in one way or another, we have to understand what's truly in their heart. Why is it any different in our relationship with God? It should not be. And we know that our children at times will throw tantrums and fits and we'll sit there and go, okay, are you done? No. All right, go ahead. Keep going. I want to hear it. Because there's always some truth in there. We'll usually get to it. And usually by the end of the rant or whatever is going on, there's a little bit of exhaustion that settles in. And then there's some reasonableness that sets in because there's both sides that have heard. And even though one side's been a little louder than the other, at least we have a better idea of what's really bothering them. And it may be something they didn't even see or something we totally missed. That intimacy when we approach that relationship with Father is building something tremendous. And he's there. He's there for each one of us. And this time and this period of time in which we live when there's so much 
twisting and turning of truth and so much lies going on. And I'll add to this, so much arrogance, even in people that know scripture. I've never seen so many people act so arrogant about their knowledge of the Bible as if they themselves are God. I'm like, really? Man, like what? Because you've read the Bible three times, it's somehow you have a better view than somebody who's just entering it. There's a neat little lesson I always bring to this. I always remind myself, and it's taught through the martial arts, that he is who is white belt has as an essence a beginning point that is what the black belt ultimately wants to achieve, but with the perfection of technique. It's an important point to grasp because the white belt enters into the, into the arena without the formation or the rules that all of those ranks above him have been conditioned to follow. But the black belt that continues to pursue the art and continues to pursue the art through their life ultimately arrives at a point where they can let go of the rigidity of the rules and begin to operate with the freedom of the white belt, but with the perfection of training over time. So someone who's new to scripture doesn't mean that they're missing something. They may see something with fresh eyes that we missed. It's important to listen. But we have to tone ourselves because ultimately the Bible is our gateway to God. We read the Bible, the Bible reads us. It's timeless that way. And it continues to unlock amazing mysteries and amazing things within our heart. It's incredible what God can do through that with those words. And in spite of all of its translations, which are almost nutty to a certain point, And in spite of all the variations of attempts to move it one way or another, you have a Catholic version of how they want to see the world. That's unique, to say the least. And we have all the various Protestant versions, the multiple churches, and each one wants to take a bias in one way or another. We arrive truly, if we're spending time in Scripture and that pursuit of intimacy through Christ to the Father, we begin to discover what God needs us to discover for us. That's the most important thing. I don't know what that is for anybody other than me. I just know the pathway is that I've got to constantly keep open and listen. And when we do, God just continues to open up doors that only he can open. So right now in this time when we're literally in war, listening to the quote-unquote commander-in-chief, the true commander-in-chief, God, is probably solely the most important thing we can do every moment of the day. This war is real, and God's moving. He's moving in big ways. And that doesn't mean like tomorrow suddenly there's going to be some hand of God smack everybody across the world. Though it would be nice. It would be pretty cool to watch. It might be five years. It could be a hundred years. It could be a thousand years. I don't know. But what the most important thing is that as we pursue that deep, intimate relationship with father, every step that's happening is what he needs to happen to make his plan come forward. I always say, you always hear this. God, God has already won this. Yep. The question is, has he won it with us or without us? Because there's no guarantee you're going to stand at that finish line with him. And that's a hard truth. Because our role here is not to sit on our tail and do nothing. We have a war to fight. And we've always had a war to fight. And that war has been being waged for centuries. And as we wage that war and we do that with Christ in our heart and with 
that pursuit of the intimacy in Christ and Father, I'm going to tell you there's not much you can do wrong if you're listening to that way. Maybe God has got you over here painting paintings your whole time, and you're like, I don't feel like I'm waging war. We don't know. Maybe he has you doing woodcraft, and you're like, that doesn't feel like I'm waging war. How do you know? Because maybe that painting is exactly what Father needs in somebody's house to be a beacon for him to draw them into him. And maybe that, maybe that piece of woodwork that you do will be something that somebody holds and it just cracks their heart open to Christ and says, I can't believe what I'm touching. We don't know. But what we do know is that Father's got a role for us and we have to pursue it ruthlessly, relentlessly, and with an intensity of righteousness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Truly, in this time, we come before you and humble ourselves before you. We pray for this nation and we pray for this world. We pray for the healing of this nation, Lord. Things that have been done, the things that continue to be done to, our, to your people, to your children, to, your, to our elderly, they're unspeakable. And so, Lord, we come before you and we ask for a forgiveness for this land and we ask for the healing of these people, our people, your, your children. Lord, in this time when we are in the midst of a war, we ask that you will give us that insight, that power, that encouragement to step deeper into our gifts and talents, to wage war as you see us to wage war in such a way that we can bring the healing, we can crush the evil, and we can elevate up that love and that light. For so many, those seem to be contradictory spaces, and yet, Lord, we know how you work. You work in most amazing ways. So if we have missed the opportunities or stepped in transgressions, forgive us for those steps. But Lord, as we walk here, provide those opportunities again before us to heal those that want to be healed and to give light to those that don't see anything but darkness. Let us be the lamp on the hill and the salt of the earth. And let us raise up this remnant, Lord, in such a powerful voice, in such a powerful way. There can be no mistaking that you're on the throne of this land. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Waging war, and we are, and we must. This is an amazing time. Patriots, we have a time to make amazing impact and amazing change. And we're not doing it ourselves. We'll never win this war by ourselves. We will only win this war in our intimacy and intimate walk with Christ and through Christ to the Father. This is far bigger than anything we can take on ourselves. You can dream all day long about polishing ammo and sharpening knives. What's available to them is a hundredfold greater. And that's obviously should tell everybody one thing. You can't fight rock with rock and win. But we're not doing that. And we're not going to play on their game board. We're going to change the rules. Because we're shifting over to play in the rules of Father. And through our Lord and Savior, we're going to step into that place. And we're going to follow that path and let them come to our game board and let God deal with them. And when that happens, the world shakes and their world collapses. 
So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. This is an amazing time. Our prayers are central to anchoring ourselves in our rock of faith and our relationship with God. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. Our instrumental focal point has to be a deeper trust in him and an intimate trust in him. And yes, he will win. But I truly believe in my heart we're not here by accident. We're here for such a time as this. And that means we have a mission. And that means mission forward. And that means we have to occupy the land and expand the kingdom. I'll see you tomorrow night for Bards FM. Until then, or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.
tides out on the freeway let it ease my mind we run away sometimes when belonging becomes something to find we always come back to what we know keep it close on the cold days darling counting all the ways Where you are a safe place to hide from the rain